Hey everybody, it's Joe. I'm Corey. And I'm Gage. And we're chiming in from the Black Sun. Um, just in case you guys don't know, we're gonna we're gonna keep on with the second part of our podcast when it comes to the the the, the UFOs and the interdimensional port keys and all that jazz. Well, the Black Sun. I'm gonna go right into it. Um, the Thule Society um, worked, was a society during World War II. It had its traces to the to the medieval ages, though, but it didn't really become like a big thing until World War II. The Thule Society believed in the in a concept known as known as the Black Sun. Basically, it was energy that could be harnessed from an interdimensional port key, if you will, um, and the, the the energy was so powerful that just a minute little bit of it would, would, would power an entire generator for three days at a time, according to, according to the, 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 the mathematical equation. But the Thule Society worked, they, they believed in, 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 in existentialism. They believed in life beyond life. Um, their beliefs were that uh, in order to create life, you needed to create death in its place. Um, kind of like an Icarus dying, you know, coming back to life the hands of its own death um, from its own ashes but uh, the Thule Society uh, that's one thing the Brill Society is is another thing that that is closely mirrored to the Thule Society Adolf Hitler during World War II had pumped in a lot of uh, military funds to fund both of both of their causes um, the Brill Society um, during World War II they um, they they um, they had a um, concept similar to the Thule Society, but the funny thing about them is they they had uh, um, they had a a, a an individual lady by the name of uh, Maria Kosick, um, who believed in in they basically believed in in the idea that uh, that uh, um, there was life beyond beyond our dimension, beyond our realm. And they, they secretly had aristocrats and businessmen and, and a bunch of different individuals. And the, the, the females in, in the Brill Society wore their hair so long that it was like four or five feet in length. Um, Maria Kosick was a, was a perpetrator of that idea ideology. Um, she also believed in the idea of speaking through runes. Um, Adolf Hitler used her as a uh, as a, a scientific advisor of sorts, and when when he used her as a scientific advisor, she basically told him one thing: you have to look at life outside of our own life. She, you have to look at a dimension outside of ours. Apparently, she was in contact with an alien race. Is 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 what I had heard. Um, is what I had seen in a show and numerous documentaries about the real society. But uh, the Deglaka, which is the Wunderwaffe, uh, the, the the wonder weapon, um, it was it was a weapon that was that was developed in, in Germany, um, but it, it was it was um, it was actually used in in in, in Poland. Um, uh, I'm trying to find out where it was. Uh, it was used in a, in a little town in Poland. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was. The Wonder Waffa explores the idea that there's a that there is a wonder weapon that can bring about the end of the war, um, and num numerous wonder uh, wonder waffas have been created, uh, but the the most common one that everybody knows about is the Glock or the, the Bell. Um, supposedly, the Bell is is an interdimensional 
port key, if you will. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a time travel device, an interdimensional gateway, whatever you want to call it. But in, in, in 1945, Hans Kammler, who was the leading SS officer at that time, disappeared that night that, that uh, this Polish town had seen a bunch of flashing lights off in the distance just outside of where the town was. And there was a giant, there was a giant you know, like henge-type um, um, structure that the, the, the deglocka would have been used to hold down because this thing was, was so sporadic in the way it moved that it, you, you literally had to chain it up to something so to keep it from flying away. But um, the Wunderwaffe had a bunch of different rune-type rune marks on it. Well, Hans Kammler disappeared that night. Um, ironically, Maria Kosick and her members of the Vril Society were in Poland at that time. They were in this town. They disappeared that night as well. Um, they disappeared that night, and nobody ever saw them again. Um, Hans Kammler, a um, bunch of German aristocrats, um, some German businessmen on top of that, um, the Brill Society, Maria Kosick, all, all of those individuals disappeared one night and it led to the speculation that they used the Wunderwaffe. Um, well, in uh, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania in 1967, I believe, um, in 1967, um, the De Glocka uh, appeared in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Um, it, uh, campers in Keck, near, out near out, out near a campsite in Kecksburg reported to have seen a giant fire-like thing come out of the sky. It hit the ground. When they went to investigate, there was already men in black suits already there taking pictures of it and everything like that. They were they were documenting everything. It had the same rune-type marks on it as the Wunderwaffe and the Deglocka did. Um, the Deglocka Wunderwaffe. Um, so it, it appeared more than 20 years later in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. And it's, 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 no one knows the exact whereabouts of the Deglocka at this point in time. Um, there's rumors that are, that they're, that it's being held at Hangar 18 at, uh, Wright-Patterson in Dayton, Ohio, um, which is out near where we're at. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, there's, there's many different levels of speculation for the Deglocka. Many people consider it to be a hoax. I don't. Um, I don't because... Germany during World War II had the most advanced um, technological breakthroughs out of any nation in the world. And Werner von Braun... Go ahead. I'm going to chime yeah. in when you get... Werner von Braun even said that, you know, when he was developing the, the, the rocket program after the fact, during Operation Paperclip, he said that Germany got help from otherworldly beings. That's yes and no. Uh, supposedly... A spacecraft crashed, and they got all of their technology reverse engineering from the craft that they found. That's what I saw on a documentary. Well, I so. mean, it, it 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 all offers speculation, though, because it's an interesting it's an interesting way. Because even if they even if they did get help from otherworldly beings, that might have been the way they got it. Mm -hmm. But they would still need a way to reverse engineer all this stuff. Because apparently, with 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 popular mechanics and and you know the the applied sciences and everything, you still need a base a base a base uh, line of where you where you can do your 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 your, your reverse engineering from. Um, I mean, we've all heard stories about the infamous uh, 
alien spacecraft that's being held at Area 51, right, Gage? Yeah, we, we were just talking about it earlier, um, we, whether or not we've uh, seen it online. I think I saw it through YouTube. Um, it, it basically is just this saucer, and it, what we were speculating ourselves as, the, as a group here. In the 1950s, the U.S. government created a... A, a, uh, a vehicle called the Avro car. It was a UFO type vehicle that ran on a circulating fan. It could only it could only float five feet above the ground, and it needed a constant fuel source because of how much fuel it burned. So ultimately, it was a disaster. And you, basically, continuing on with what I was saying, you could literally see this mm-hmm. object fly through the the hangar and out the other side of the hangar. It, it's kind of, I don't know whether or not to call it kind of like grainier or whatnot, but you can't exactly tell exactly what's flying, but it's definitely, I don't think, a, a helicopter or a... Well, let me let me uh, say something. Yeah. Uh, that documentary that I was watching, yeah. uh, at Nellis Air Force Base, like 67, 68, somewhere in there, uh, they actually had... Uh, the Tall Whites were a group of aliens that had a uh, base in Area 54, which is Dreamland. Um, they actually had the big ships, which were the great big huge ships that carried more people, and a scout ship was uh, the smaller ships, was like a short range ship. Like a um, battle cruiser almost? Kind of. The, the, the saucers and stuff people to see, like cigar looking shape. Those were your uh, short-range scout sh- okay. ships. Okay. Uh, a lot of the stuff that was in that ship was built by our government for it, except for the anti-gravity stuff, which they said was like uh, kind of like coils. Right. They had to uh, coils and um, a lot of fiber optics inside there would give like a cushion. Would give the little like like the fuzzy like you're talking about mm-hmm. would would give the fuzzy to the ship, which made it anti gravity. Mm-hmm. They can go from zero to eight thousand mile an hour like just like that. And wow. and with that gravity around it, the people in the ship did not wear seatbelts. Wow. And, and, the... And, and the reason for that being was the the tall whites were very frail, alien. And if they would have wore seatbelts, it probably would have killed them. Well, it's funny you talk about anti-gravitational because the concept behind anti-grav is relatively simple. You get yourself in a fluid mass and you, you expand the gravity around you. Essentially, you, your gravitational pull becomes less and less. So it's able you're actually able to travel faster without with, by creating your own gravitational pull because the pull around you makes you travel faster. So basically, you're, you're reversing gravity by producing your own. Right. They were using a lot of uh, uh, fiber optics inside there, and they had the coils. And they would land here. They would land here because they would refuel, which, in other words, not not our refuel. They would have, have to let the batteries charge right. on their ship for them to take off again. Well, it's like what we talked about in our last episode, the Nazca Lines. Thousands and, th- or thousands and thousands of years ago, the Nazca Lines, you know, 
No, no, it wouldn't make sense that they would be there in that form unless it was unless it was an airport, an extraterrestrial airport. Kind of makes sense with what you're talking about now, Corey. Yeah, they said there's a base in, in Dreamland where the tall whites are at. According to this guy in 1967, Charles Hall, he claims he worked there as a uh, on-base weather uh, person that would do the, the weather and stuff. He said the weather balloon up and all that stuff. Right. That, that, that's what he did on that base. And he said there was always ships coming and going. It kind of makes and what sense. Really, what was really weird was he said it came in like two-week increments. Whenever there was a full moon, they would land or they would take off. Okay. So I don't know what that had to do with something to do with the gravity or have you, something. Have you, the, have you heard the idea that the, that, the, that the moon itself is a giant space station? That these things come, come to and from? Well, supposedly there's one on the dark side of the moon. I heard something about the Nazis actually knew about that. The, the moon itself is a space station for these aliens. The moon itself is, is, is a space station. Like, before a few thousand years, before the Aztecs, a few thousand years before they arrived, the, the Earth did not have a moon. The moon just arrived one day. According to according to according to documentation that cultures have made around the world, the moon just appeared one day, and it's got all of these craters, which means damn you, Darth Vader. <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, before a few thousand years before man was on this planet, not even not even a few hundred years, the moon was not a thing, and 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 it just appeared one day, and. Its its appearance was rather mysterious, um, and it all centers around the mysterious nine. If you, in case you guys haven't heard of the mysterious nine, otherwise known as the pantheon of nine, in every single culture, ancient Greek, ancient Roman, Aztecs, Egyptians, um, the Mesoamericans, um, the 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 Native American myths, um, the the uh, uh, Australians, um, Italians, all, all, in nearly every single culture has a pantheon of nine, nine deities that all have different abilities that all seem godlike in appearance. The ancient Hindus had a pantheon of nine. Shiva, the destroyer of worlds and the bringer of life. Oppenheimer quoted Shiva when they created the atomic bomb. He quoted the Bhagavad Gita by, by, and quoted Shiva by name. I am death, the destroyer of worlds. It's very weird that everything that happens that has happened on our Earth centers around the, the mysterious nine, because they are mysterious in nature. Supposedly, the pantheon of nine, the mysterious nine, whatever you want to call them, supposedly they have ties into everything that we've done. Um, our uh, the ancient Greek government was founded upon, a, you know, the, the the whole republic was founded upon the belief that not one man could have complete power; that it had to be that it had to be a, a certain number of individuals. Ironically, it was nine. Um, uh, the 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 Senate, the 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 Roman Senate, had nine had nine uh, had nine nine uh, chief officials. What is the significance of the number nine? Supposedly, nine has to do with the hive mind. Every single culture that's run into the mysterious nine, they all work together as one. They all think they all think the same. But they all, they're all, their thoughts are different, but they're the same. But to me, 
a nine would be an odd number. You would think it would be like an eight or ten. The reason why know? the reason why it would be nine is because there's nine planets in our solar system. They all have control over one planet. And so far, it hasn't been relayed as to how that how that comes into play. But the nine, you know, it's 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 a very rare circumstance and a very very odd situation that we are in, considering Pluto is no longer a planet. But yet, the mysterious nine has him by name. Pluto, Pluto is the messenger of the gods in Roman culture. He's otherwise known as uh, uh, he's otherwise known as Mercury. Mercury and Pluto are two different. They're two different gods, but they work in the same circle. Hermes, Hermes is the Greek equivalent of Mercury, the messenger of the gods. Pluto himself would be. He's basically like Hades. Pluto is like. Hades of you know he's like he's like the he's like the ruler of the underworld. But I find it really funny that the mysterious nine, our planets were named after them. Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, Venus, Earth, Luna. Luna, our moon has 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 a deity's name. Luna is the official name for our moon. You forgot a planet. Uranus. Uranus. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Funny story about Uranus. Uranus is actually, as 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 weird as the name sounds, he's actually one of the one of the major deities in the mysterious in the pantheon of nine. But it's it's just amazing that uh, every single thing that we you know that we take for granted you know that we take on 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 good faith when it comes to when it comes to um, the the interdimensional and all that stuff. It's really weird how it all comes back to the number nine. Our, we have nine planets in our solar system, and there's a pantheon of nine. Another fun fact for you. Every single planet in our solar system has more than one moon, except ours. Our, our planet is the only one that, doesn't, that only has one moon. And our moon, is, is our, our moon for our planet is the biggest one in the solar system. And here's another fun fact for you. Our moon, even though it's smaller in size, the dimensions are set up exactly the same so that our moon can eclipse the sun vis-a-vis vis -vis the black sun. That's where, the, that's where the, the idea for the black sun comes into play, a solar eclipse. Supposedly, during a solar eclipse is when you have more a, a higher likeliness of, of finding inner peace with yourself. It's funny how that works, but it's it, it all has to do with our creation. If 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 what they say about our creation that we have ties to to, to aliens like the Anunnaki, like we talked about in our last episode, it's funny how the pantheon of nine would influence that because the Anunnaki themselves had nine deities. Going back to what I was talking about, uh, the, the tall white aliens, if, uh, if you're really interested in uh, more about that story about them in Dreamland, Area 54, uh, there, there's a, actually a trilogy called Millennial Hospitality. It's written by Charles Hall, if you're really interested in checking yeah, the books it, out. Yeah, it, it might be something to, to, we might want to post a link up on our, up on our Ghost of a Chance Facebook page, right, Corey? Yeah. I'll share that with them. I'm really interested in reading it myself from from the from the um, uh, documentary. This all day sound really interesting to get into uh, dive into the books and see what they're he really actually if it's 
if it's real or if it's just uh, bogus. You know well, what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I, I'm 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 just I'm curious about everything these days, Corey. I mean, what 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 are the stories do you guys have? Because you know, this is going to be a fun episode for all of us, I think. Well, kind of with what we've been talking about, kind of with what everybody's been talking about here, aliens and essentially extraterrestrial life have essentially been around, um, have, have been an ancient mystery, needless to say, to many governments um, and world powers alike, and they continue to keep their existence very, very low key. Um, and uh, w- one of the things that just actually occurred within this last week, I'm actually not too big of a political guy by any means, but it's actually kind of, it's, it's political. But um, just last week, presidential candidate uh, Bernie Sanders said that he would reveal info on aliens and extraterrestrial life um, if he wins in 2020. It, I read part of the article that um, w- was posted, and it, it kind of seems like his, his wife is more, it, it kind of calls her like a, the alien nut, needless to say. Right, right. But um, he, he's kind of um, leading the way with this. It, um, some of the things that have been reported within that I found within the article and within um, my research, it, it's been reportedly told that Navy um, personnel have told Pentagon officials that they've encountered aircraft that have appeared to defy the laws of physics and aerodynamics while in military space. Um, Navy strike group Pilots have also reportedly seen strange objects flying above 300,000 feet um, at hypersonic speeds with no visible engine or infrared exhaust fumes. Um, that kind of leads me into my next thing that I'd like to talk about. I know Corey kind of hinted with it a little bit earlier with Area 54. Um, That's actually where the... Um their bases for the aliens, uh, the tall white aliens, they're supposed to have a base in Area 54 down in the valley. Down in the valley, yep. And this one's actually, of course, what everybody knows to be of Area 51. It's something that's been recently covered nationwide. Area 51 has become a focus of the modern conspiracy theories due to its secretive nature and its connection to the classified research of aircraft. Um, even though most of the records are sealed, through the 1950s and well into the 1970s, a ton of government projects, as we all understand... The Skunk Works program. <laughs> yep. Took place. And one of them that I'm going to actually talk about was Oxcart. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier as well, but um, the the shape, as it was quoted, um, it says the shape of ox cart was unprecedented. 
with its wide disliked fuselage designed to carry vast quantities of fuel. Commercial pilots cruising over Nevada at dusk would look up and see the bottom of this ox cart jet whiz by at about 2,000 miles per hour and the aircraft's titanium body moving as fast as a bullet would reflect the sun's rays in a way that would make everyone think a UFO. Now I pulled up a photo of this aircraft and it doesn't necessarily remind me of a UFO but I bet if we were thinking if, if this aircraft was at 30,000 feet or you know, 2,000 feet, or however high and how, however fast it's going, and right. we have commercial pilots, I would almost guarantee that this would be mistaken as a UFO. Um, but most of all of these rumors help to further the speculation of aliens and the extraterrestrial life that we're talking about. Well, look at, look at uh, Robert Hynek. Right. Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book, and that's actually what we're going to get ready, um, what I was getting ready to talk about next. Um, if you want to go ahead with her, all right, all right. I'll let you go ahead and say that, talk about this one, Gage, because I, yeah. I, I, it's, it's something you wanted to talk about. I just wanted to segue into it. Yeah. Um, Pro Project Blue Book basically obtained thousands of reports on aliens and extraterrestrial life. I've read... At basically anywhere in between 12,000 and 15,000 reports of reported aliens um, were uh, obtained during this. I had a rumor. I heard heard a rumor. The reason why he stepped down is because he went insane. But I doubt yep. that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but but the main purpose of Project Blue Book was to determine if one there was a national threat to um, security. And two, if it was to scientifically analyze UFO data and basically to see if UFOs were essentially right part of everyday society, and you know they're just whizzing around. Well, Project Blue Book led to led to the creation of Majestic Twelve. Project Blue Book had a direct influence on that, um, and it's funny because Majestic Twelve. While it's never been, while it's never been verified, there are there are spe there's speculation out there that that members of Majestic Twelve had Kennedy killed because mm -hmm. he was planning on going forward with with letting the world know about aliens and how they exist and what he what they'd seen and everything. Because apparently apparently Eisenhower had met with one. Wow. Yeah, if I heard that story as well. Uh, did you know that uh, the guy you was talking about that first started it? Um, um who's Hynek? Yes. Did you know that he was actually put in a mental hospital? Yes. Apparently and he went, he had gone insane. According to what I heard, was two people in black suits showed up in his room. Next thing you know, they found him laying outside of his window from the second story, and and they they people claimed that he jumped. Wow. I think he was pushed out by the two. Cause he was I can offer some speculation on that. Um, Hynek. Yeah, I can offer some speculation on the whole Robert Hynek thing. Um, the reason why Hynek was was done in the way he was is because Hynek, like JFK, um, was planning on going to the authorities with what he had found. And supposedly there was a secret order that the government was funding 
to suppress, forcibly suppress people who had knowledge of UFOs existing. Mm -hmm. They were killing people, is basically what Hynek had said. He, he, he discovered a, a secret, uh, it wasn't a society, but it was, a, it was like, a, or like, a, uh, like a fraternity almost. Like a group of people who wanted to, they wanted to see some very bad things happen. And I guess they, from what I had heard, they had asked him to join their, their, their circle. He said no, said he was going to go to the authorities about it. And apparently the circle had members of the CIA, the OSS, and other, other government entities working alongside it. So supposedly after they declared Hynek insane, they, uh, they, they, they epically latered him, so to speak. They made him disappear. They didn't just make him disappear. They disappeared him. They actually killed him. Yeah, that's how you disappear somebody. You make it. You make it look like a suicide. So they did. So, so basically, from the the 1950s that we're we're talking about here to when this project basically ceased in between 1969 and 1970, the the conclusion of this was that there was no evidence to prove. Um, the existence of aliens or extraterrestrial life. I don't think actually they say they did. I just think it changed names to something else and it's under something else. They're still, they're still. You don't think they're they're not? Oh, uh, I'm sending you, people up to find out what that is in the sky. Look at they're it. They're not this, telling I, us that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they're. Look at it this way: if the government had knowledge of something like extraterrestrials <laughs> existing. It would be really easy for them to have plausible deniability about it because all you know it, it would be just as easy to say somebody has a crackpot theory than than to actually believe the theory is is not that outlandish. Plausible deni deniability is one of those things our U.S. government deals deals with on a regular basis when it comes to aliens. And all this information that came from Project Blue Book is actually all compiled together. And it's actually all readily available for anyone um, to obtain and to look at by um, some type of Freedom Act, I believe. Um, it's the but, Freedom of Information Act, yeah, I believe. Yeah, the, the Freedom of Inf Information Act. And essentially, you know, the, the names were re redacted, but... Well, they didn't um, just redact the names. They redacted whole portions of the report. Yeah. There, there's... There's 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 whole fragments that are taken from it, yep. um, just blotted out and just like uh, you have you heard the have you heard the uh, the 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 have you heard of Project Skyhook? No. During the Cold War, and on 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 the outer edge of, uh, on the outer edge of Alaska, the U.S. government did a special ops mission that nobody knows about. Apparently, they had seen a Russian sub off the coast of Alaska that didn't have, it had stealth technology. At that point, they couldn't figure out where it had come from. Um, Skyhook was, was a project that was done to land U.S. troops in Siberia on, an, on, 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 an, on, a, on a military base that was located just above the ice, um, get intel, get out before anybody even knew they were there. It was, just, it was just in the middle of nowhere because Russia at that point was so secretive of what they were doing, they didn't want anybody to know what they were doing. Well, Project Skyhook in 1960, I believe, a group of U.S. soldiers dropped in by parachute onto, this, onto the ice in, 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 in Siberia 
out in the middle of nowhere where there would be no one. They got their intel. All of a sudden, they vanished. How they vanished was through, through, through a program called Skyhook. They launched up a parachute that was, that was launched up through a mini rocket. The parachute went up, had a giant, had a giant weight on it. A plane with a fork out the front of it would catch this thing in mid-flight, lock down on it, and the soldiers would clip onto this thing and be off before anybody ever knew that they were there. They were on the ground for maybe 90 seconds and then they were gone. The U.S. government applied this program to many other situations, and now it's, it's, called, it's called an immediate dust-off protocol. Basically, you're on the ground, you're off the ground in, the, in, in, in just under no time. Yeah, the government has, has adopted the idea in more than one setting. Um, but the immediate dust-off protocol isn't just for something as simple as a skyhook. It could be as simple as a, as, a, as an in and out situation where you're on the ground where, where you're where you're in your zone for no more than five or ten minutes and then you're out and uh, it all came because of skyhook and the reason why skyhook was developed is because of the idea that Russia had knowledge about UFOs and our government wanted to find out what they knew I, I heard something about supposedly up there in Antarctica, there's a uh, um, Nazi base they made, and a lot of them disappeared into. Is there any truth to that? The the the, the Nazi base in Antarctica is is. Let's just put it this way: there is a ancient civilization underneath the ice on Antarctica. Antarctica is the last piece of land on this planet that has not been discovered, and the reason why is because of the sheet of ice that's on top of it. But the Let's just put it this way. Every single pyramid that is on this planet has roots to a pyramid that they, that they think is underneath Antarctica. Antarctica was where the very first civilization on Earth began. Like, de developed civilization. Anunnaki basically seeded them there before Sumeria, um, is what I'd heard. Um, and the reason, why, the reason why Antarctica made sense is because at that time, the, the lands were fertile. Just like the idea behind Mars having life on it. He, the human race existed on Mars before they existed here. Mm -hmm. Mars had an atmosphere. Mars had, had mountains that were lush and green. Mm -hmm. Had trees, had rivers, had, had everything. They had their own civilization. And here's the funny thing. They did, they did, uh, they did geographical surveys of, of the surface of Mars through, through satellites and everything. There are man-made structures on Mars. There's a Sphinx-type object. There are numerous pyramids. There are structures that look like they could have been cities, buildings that could have been that could have been in a city-type structure. Mars had a, Mars had a civilization before we did. And it's funny because if you if you look at the Anunnaki, um, I know we talked about this already, but 450,000 years ago, supposedly they created life and put it here. Well, 712,000 years ago, Mars had life on it. I honestly think they don't, they didn't, I think we're just descendants of them. I don't know if we're necessarily, we were created by them, we were descendants of them, I well, believe. Well, our, our ancient ancestors were. Um, you've heard of the, you've heard of the eight foot, nine foot giants, the seraphim, whatever you want to call them. Supposedly, we are their direct descendants, <coughs> if you choose to believe that. 
Well, look at the the the, the, Neander, the Neanderthal. Case in point, right there. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in the idea of a monolithic type structure that can that can create intelligence and and, and amplify it into a into a being, like the 2001 A Space Odyssey type deal? Because based on what I've heard, there are certain monolithic type structures on our planet that can do that, that have done that before. Um, Ayers Rock is one of them. And, I'm not really familiar with that. Yeah, Air, Ayers, familiar Ayers with Rock is a monolithic type structure in, 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 uh, in uh, Australia. Supposedly the, 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 the ancient um, um, civilization that began there, um, the native people there, um, supposedly they, according to the according to the creation myth um, that they have, they prayed to, to the deity of, that presented itself on Ayers Rock, and when they did that, the deity gave them knowledge, gave them knowledge on how to start fires and how to how to create more life, you know, procreation and all that. Um, it taught them the it taught them the value of life. Well, how do we know that the the monolith was the. How do we know that the monolith wasn't the deity? Because in the in the in, in in from what I've understand under what, from what I can understand about what I've read, it's not clear cut that they mention a deity. There's no deity by name. It's the rock they pray to. It's the rock they they they, they devote themselves to. But Ayers Rock is not a man-made structure. There's a lot of stuff on this planet that are not, I don't think, is man-made. And Ayers Rock has radioactivity emitting from it. Here, here's a real interesting one. Look at uh, Devil's Tower out in Wyoming. Oh yeah, I'm familiar that with that. To me, that does that looks out of place. I, I never had a chance to go up to it and see it because when we were when I was out there, it was it was closing as we were getting there, so I never got a chance to go up and check it out. That might be a great place to, to, to do it, to do a, a UFO-themed investigation if we ever got the opportunity. What do you say? Well, I know we do the, I knew we, I know we do the ghost-type investigations, but maybe we could do UFO-type stuff in the future. Well, there's UFO. We could yeah. look for cryptids. We can go down to uh, um, Loveland, Ohio, and look for the lizard people if you want. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I... Yeah. You know, we gotta we gotta diversify what we do. I mean, you know, but uh, the, the the thing I find most funny about uh, um, about the whole idea of the monolithic structure is there's many different monolithic type structures on our planet that can't be that can't be um, um, it can be argued that the, there's there's no way that they could have gotten there by themselves. Well, Look at the pyramids. Case in point, 200 tons is what each each one of those blocks weighs. 200 tons on the pyramids of Giza, and they got all and they got them all the way up to the top. How do you explain that? Well, look at Stonehenge. You yeah. Look at Easter yeah. Island. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 Maoris, uh, the Maori statues on what is it Easter Island? Yes. That's yeah. what I'm referring to. They nobody knows how they got there. They just they just showed up there one day. And look at Pumapunku. 
there, there's a structure at Pumapunku that looks like a launch platform for a rocket or a spaceship type deal. It even has sliding blocks that the the, uh, the ufologists claimed to could have been used as a launch platform. Well, look at the Nazca lines. That could have been used as, as uh, an airport, like exactly, I said. Exactly. Um, it's a lot of really strange stuff that, that a lot of people don't know. We're still not having a lot of knowledge about yet. The weirdest thing I found so far that defies any type of logic whatsoever is there is a stone. There is a black obsidian stone sitting at the bottom of a lake that has no obsidian in it. It's a black obsidian stone that weighs about 500 tons. And it, it, nobody can explain how it got there. There's no, there's no volcano anywhere near where this place is, and it's in South America. You also got to remember that a lot of the, a lot of the um, landscape changed with, uh, with the Ice Age, so it could have been actually moved from somewhere else. I, I would be inclined to believe that, but they've, they've carbon dated the stone, and it's not more than a few thousand years old. And there's no volcano that is active. Any, the, the nearest volcano that's act, that would be anywhere near active is a good 2,000 2, miles from it. You don't think there's a possible way that the, the, the may come up from underneath? My guess is it's it's came from the sky. Obsidian isn't just one of those things that you can be formed under a volcano. It can be formed. It can be something as, as simple as a glass shard that's formed that 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 creates its form through immense heat. Immense heat is what causes obsidian obsidian to form. It's not just it's not just a formation of of deposits in the earth. An asteroid can form into a, into a piece of obsidian if if the uh, if the the uh, um, the situation presents it, but it's not just an asteroid that can cause that can create obsidian. How do we know that that it's that that piece of obsidian is not really obsidian and it's something else entirely? They it's really can't. Be. It looks like obsidian, but they they've done date they've done a bunch of different uh, uh, geological tests on it, and it doesn't resemble anything that a, that a volcano could create. It's 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 like glass. But the but it's 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 super malleable, but it's also super super strong at the same time. You can break it, but you can sharp, you can sharpen it and form super sharp knives out of it. The indigenous cultures have been making knives out of it for years. Well, just like sand, if you heat it up hot enough, you turn it into glass. Yeah. So, there the right stuff at the right time can change just about anything like that. The weirdest thing that I've seen so far is there is a cloud of, of poisonous gas in a, in, a, in a series of underground lakes in South America. The gas forms its, the gas forms a layer on, 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 on in, in the middle of the water but right before you hit the bottom of it forms a layer. Many people have claimed it's a portal into another dimension. Has anybody attempted to go down past that? Yeah, and the last person who did that, um, even with even with uh, a, a scuba suit and a, 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 uh, one of them oxygen tanks and everything, came up and the skin was all burned to holy hell. He had third degree burns on his skin, and he was only down there for five minutes. That's why he's just something like a 
sub of some type. Every time they send a sub down, it, it mysteriously malfunctions. Wow. Yeah. Who knows? It could be an underground base for the aliens. You don't think that they don't have several around in, in the ocean in different areas, they say? But the funny you don't think th Area 51 has nothing to do with alien life there? But the funny thing is, is the guy who went down there said he got to the floor, and when he got to the floor past the past the acrid smoke layer, there was a bunch of dead dead vegetation and dead dead everything down there. Nothing was alive. Dead trees, dead dead everything. There was nothing. There and and the he he, he I guess uh, uh, he worked in in, co in he coincided with a, a like a scientist, a, you know, like a a, a a pathologist. And the level of acrid smoke, the level of poison that's down there. If if you go down there without a without a rebreather mask that breathes oxygen, you will die in less than a minute. With how much poison is down there, and they can't explain how the poison got there. I can tell you my theory. If you got all that stuff decaying down there, what do you think that that turns into? That matter turns into that poisonous gas that you're referring to, because that that uh, everything lets off gas. Right. So if it's decaying stuff down there, it could have been down there from. From when it originally wasn't underwater, and all of a sudden everything died because underwater now everything's dying, decaying, getting old. That's where your gas is coming from. Right. Because of it re releases gas. Even every little thing releases gas. So it's just weird how the how there are things on this earth that we can't explain. Um, I've seen I've seen video footage of a car disappearing and then reappearing on its own. And it comes out of, out of the middle of nowhere. The person driving the car says it was just an instantaneous ride for him. Doesn't remember going anywhere. Doesn't remember disappearing at all. Um, look at look, look, look at what we talked about. There was a plane that was uh, that went through the Bermuda Triangle trying to get to Dulles International, and he ended up going ended up going just south of Hong Kong. Yep. Only he was only he was only out of radio contact for 15, 20 minutes. Well, look at the videos where, where they see someone walking across the, across the road and they go to hit them and they're not there anymore. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of unexplained stuff. It, it just kind of makes me ponder while sitting here talking about this. It's It's been a mystery for a little over, what, three years now? MH370, is it? The plane oh, yes, yes, yes. What... Are the possibilities that we could be onto something within this realm of, you know, um, that that as aspect of it? Well, I've been saying for a while now um, that uh, the 370 flight was the victim. the The people on that plane were the victims of a very very bad set of circumstances that has nothing to do with life here on this planet mm -hmm. my guess is they ended up in a wormhole that brought them out of this planet because they they've dredged for four years four or five miles years miles and miles and and millions of dollars and we have absolutely nothing to support that they're anywhere near where Tell you a story, and this is just it a story. Tell, this is just a story that happened to me just a few years ago. I was on my way to California for the weekend, um, 
Supposed to be meeting some friends and everything. The weekend before I left, my dog went missing. Got off the leash after my, my folks were walking him. He ran off into the corn, you know, corn out near our property. We looked for four days, nonstop, sometimes into the night, trying to find him. Couldn't find him anywhere. Nothing. We, there was no sign of him. And we combed the fields everywhere nearby. We combed everywhere, you know, and he was the kind of dog where he would, he would come back home eventually and come back to us if, if, if we showed ourselves to be, you know, right there in his general area. Four days. I went on my vacation, got a phone call from my mom. My mom says they found our dog at the high school that, that was behind our house. My mom's like, I'm going there to pick him up now. He was acting weird for four days after we got home, and we didn't get home for like three days before all that. He was, all, he was gone for nine days. He was acting really weird when we got home. Really weird. Um... Really weird to the point where he was already acting weird from the start, but he was acting really w more weird beyond that. Well, he's, he's fine now, but I've, I, I've, I've been saying it for as long as, it, as long as it's happened. I believe our dog was abducted by UFOs. And if you, look at the, if, you, if you look at the canine and the canine family, there is nothing on this planet that resembles them um, other than, other than you know, just a small little resemblance. They are their own thing. But yet they, they, they work most commonly with us. They know when we are sick. They know when we are feeling bad. They are there for us when we need them. They are truly man's companion. Is it coincidental that that's the case? Or are they an emissary from another race keeping us safe, making sure we don't get into trouble? Mm, you got a good point here, Joe. We... According to the documentary that I watched earlier, we are one of the only planets that um, take care of animals like that. Uh, the other planets that these, the, the tall white aliens are from, mm -hmm. said they would much assume kill the animals than they would to be a companion to them. Because they, they thought we were totally totally weird and different because that we would look down on something that was lesser than to us. But you also got to look at it from this perspective. Being that we take care of animals, how do you know that those animals weren't put there by a higher race to make sure that we, we would have some sort of companionship along, along with our stay here? Because let's be honest with ourselves. If you choose to believe that the humans were put here by choice and that we didn't hear, um, end up here by accident, that choice can also be made on our behalf to get us off this planet. Mm -hmm. And usually that choice is made by, gla by glassing the planet and making sure that all life is destroyed. We are here as guests. This is not our home. We are here. We are products of our planet. We, are not, we, are, we, we do not own our planet. We are guests on this planet. Okay, you have anything more to add to this? If not, I'm going to read these two stories, and then we'll we'll close it out. That's fine by you guys. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. An hour. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read these two stories. We're going to start to do this every week, every podcast, just every week, but every podcast. I'm hoping to do this little segment. This is a segment where we have our uh, 
have our listeners write into us. I got a couple stories I'm going to share with you. Uh, this listener, I, I'll just I'll just say this listener named Eric. He he, he uh, sent the story into us. He says back about nine years ago, I was driving home from a friend's house, and it became really snowy, so I pulled over after after the the snow cleared. He could see a, a round-shaped aircraft fly right over the car. It was blinking red and yellow and blue. He went to grab his flip phone and it was gone. He searched everywhere for it, but the phone but but there was no phone in sight. After the craft got out of eyesight, he looked over and his phone was sitting perfectly on the seat, untouched or moved right next to him. Wow. And the other one he sent me was his, him and his wife were driving one night when we saw green glowing orbs in the sky. They all of a sudden shot right towards each other. Right before they hit, they shot straight up in the air and into the sky. Wow. That is trippy. Well, um, kind of continuing on here, a um, couple more things. On, on September 20th of 2019, uh, it's been a big story in the news lately is Storm Area 51 is supposed to happen with millions of people pledging to take part in this event to discover what is essentially at um, Area 51. Are aliens a myth or are they amongst us every day? And we just don't know. I uh, hope this helps to fuel the speculation and I look forward to hearing if anyone has anything else to share on this topic um, in today's society. The main point um, about our conversation tonight and how it relates to the paranormal is that the paranormal denotes experiences that are outside of the norm and beyond scientific explanation. UFOs and aliens are exactly that and they have developed essentially their own pop culture in the world today, um, believe it or not. I hope you all uh, feel somewhat in the same way. Um, do you guys have anything else? Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty much set with what, I, what I've talked about today. Well, just keep this in mind. Um, um, how do you know the person sitting next to you on the bus is really not an alien? <laughs> how, do you know, how do you know the person you're working beside? Exactly. You don't know that. Well, please feel free to contest us anytime with your questions and even stories. We would love to share them um, with our audience. That's a ghost of a chance at yahoo.com. It's all, one, all word. one word. All one word. You could, also, you could also share it on our Facebook page, the Ghost of a Chance podcast. And I just recently started uh, a... Um, a, uh, what is it, Snapchat? Yep, I also oh. started, opened up yep. a Snapchat. Okay. Snapchat. I opened up a Snapchat so you can keep keep contact with us. You can send your stories in there also. You, you can always follow us on there as well. We'll, we'll tell you when we're up, getting ready to upload another podcast. And also uh, follow us where we do our investigations as well. So uh, until next time. It's, uh, this is Joe. And this is Gage. And this is Corey, so... 
We are hailing from the Black Sun. You guys have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon.